All right. Amen. Well, welcome to church. We are, uh, we are in a kind of a new series. We did this series last year called Wise Up. We looked into the book of Proverbs. Um, the Bible tells in Proverbs that in, uh, in all that you do, get wisdom, get understanding. Another part of that is that when you get wisdom, there's a, there's a ton of fruit that comes out of this. And really this wisdom and this understanding comes from a, a greater perspective inside of life to see bigger, uh, see what it's all about, not just intellectually, right? But spiritually, these things got to come together because sometimes we can pursue, I was just talking to this gentleman the other day that he started off as a believer, as a Christian, he was following Jesus, but he all of a sudden started looking into multiple different philosophies and ideas and concepts and started listening to atheists and so on and so forth. And on the journey of trying to, to intellectually understand, he lost his faith in the middle of the process. And sometimes intellectually, we'll find ourselves, we get so caught up in our ideas that we lose sight of Man, this is by faith. We, 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 we accept Jesus Christ by faith. We trust what has gone before us. We trust, I mean, even in the intellectual pursuit, because there's been other individuals on the other side, Lee Strobel, atheist that said, I'm going to go to disprove it, but ended up being proved that, man, this has got to be real. There's no other way. There's so many people that were non-believers that believe it, right? So there's, there's multiple different ways in which we can go about that. So this isn't just an intellectual thing. This is also a spiritual thing to understand the big picture on what this world is all about. How many of you guys have ever been in a place in your life where you found like you were in the middle of the trenches and you lost sight of the big picture? Anybody been there before? You ever been at your workplace before and you're in there and you're working and you're doing and all of a sudden a decision is made and you weren't informed on that decision, right? And you're in the middle, you're like, you're doing it. And then you get so mad. You're like, why did they make that decision? Are they they're so stupid? They're so, they don't even know what's going on. And you get all frustrated. Anybody been there? Right. And then all of a sudden you, you, you find some clarity. You talk to somebody that, that knows why the decision was made. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'd make the same decision myself if I was them, right? And it was just through a little bit more understanding brought clarity that now you had confidence in the decision that was made. You've been there. And I think sometimes in life we find ourselves in places where we can get in the weeds and the weeds can get us caught up. We, 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 we have the right, like, kind of uh, the right aim, the right, the right heart, the right intentions. But sometimes we find ourselves where we just get caught in the weeds. We get caught up in the middle of the madness and the chaos of life. And we're just doing and we're living and we're doing our best. And, man, we're just trying to serve the Lord and raise our kids and love our spouses to the best of our abilities. Good Lord. And in the middle of that, we're like, we're like in it. We're doing it. And we're running and, and we're... We're, we're accomplishing, and sometimes we get caught in the middle of the chaos. We get caught in the, in the weeds, and the weeds get us caught up. Anybody understand what I'm saying today? You, you get caught in the weeds. You're in the weeds, but then you get caught. The weeds get you caught up. You're like, man, I'm in it. Oh, oh man, I'm in it, Right? And we all, maybe, maybe in here today, you, you've said yes to Jesus Christ, and here you are, you're doing your best to follow him. But on the journey of following Jesus Christ, you found yourself in circumstances and situations that have left you frustrated, right? Maybe some of them are the work of your own hand. Maybe, them are not, maybe some of them are not. But, but in life, right, life has happened, and you found yourself, why am I here? Where am I at? What does this all mean? What is this perspective? See, I just want to talk about the, the tale of two different trees. 
The, the tale of two different trees. I've mentioned this over the past couple of weeks, but you find in Genesis where there are two different trees that exist inside of the Garden of Eden. You know, Jesus set this out as a, a or, or God set this out as an understanding of humanity that the challenge in which we will face, we can live in paradise, but the human nature will lead us towards destructive behavior. God, God leans in on this on the very front end of humanity to say, here's the deal. I've placed you in beauty, but there's two different trees that exist here. Here's the tree of life, and here's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Here's the tree of life, and you can enjoy that, and you can have as much of it as you want, but here's the deal. Just don't touch the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I've talked at length about this, but here, just to give some clarity on where we're at today for those that haven't heard me talk about it. The, the, the tree of life is something that, that would provide uh, substance and, and provide health and would pro provide uh, all that Adam and Eve needed inside of the Garden of Eden to, to exist and to thrive and to live in health. But for whatever reason, Eve found herself close to the tree in which God said not to eat from. It, it's the start of humanity. And the story being told here is the, 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 the life of a human, uh, our, our, our humanity the struggle of our humanity, that God says no, and for some reason we move in a direction to say, well, if you said no, I want to figure out why you said no. And the whole point of the story is humanity leans in a direction to eat from this tree. This is the big picture. It's the big perspective that this is life. Every single one of us here today, it's a picture that was represented in Old Testament, but there is a new picture here today, which would be the same. Jesus says in John 15 that I am the vine, you are the branches. Anybody that is connected to me will bear fruit. But for those that do not, are not connected to me, right, or will be severed. What it means, there's going to be a death, a spiritual death that happens inside of our lives when we are disconnected from the source of life. That the same thing would be true is that, that, that from one tree, Right, death entered into the world, but through another man that died on a different tree, life entered into the world. It, it's the story of, of humanity today that we have this ability today to go towards the source and the substance of life. But for some reason, our humanity leads us in a direction of destruction. Romans would say this, and this kind of gives some clarity. Paul writing in here, Romans 5 says this, verse number 20, it says, God, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. Right? God's like, hey, I, I'm just going to give you my law, and look right here. Now, read this and examine your life. You're messed up. Okay, yeah, 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 right? Right? Anybody in here, like, you have your list of your ideal husband, Right? or your ideal spouse, we'll say it that way, okay, I'm not gonna dog on the men. Your ideal spouse, and right, they fit the quiet criteria to a T when you got married. Now if you looked at it, you'd be like, ah, they hit five out of six, you know, five out of six, okay. <laughs> ah, two out of four, two out of four, whatever it is, you know. <laughs> but like, I mean, the, that's why the law was given, and God's saying, hey, I gave the law so that you would realize how messed up humanity is because I got expectations and, and your living doesn't meet the expectations. So the reality, I'm just giving it to give you clarity on you need me. In and of yourself, you're broken. So moving on, goes in to say that, um, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace 
rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The law was given to to understand how jacked up we are, but here's the deal. God has given us grace and mercy through a son, Jesus Christ, that paid the price of the weight of our sin. And through Jesus Christ, there's eternal life. Like there, there's, there's two different perspectives in which we can live by here today. You ever been in that place where all, you, mean, you found, you, you, you elevated yourself up and you, you saw a bigger picture and you said, man, oh, this is what it's all about. Let me just encourage you today. Every single one of us in here, what this is all about is the big picture. Are you moving in a direction that you are connected to the source of life? Or are you living today connected to the, 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 the tree of knowledge and good of evil? I would say, are, are today, are you living in the land of the living? Or are you existing in the land of the dead? Are you moving in a direction of life? Or are you moving in a direction of death? The question I have today is, do you feel like you are living? Or do you feel like you are existing? Do you feel like you are thriving? Or do you feel like you're just getting by? Let me just tell you today, there's two different trees. There's two different lands in which we can live in. Every human that lives on the face of the earth is living in one or the other. Either you're moving in the direction of, I am connected to the tree of life. I'm connected to Jesus Christ. Man, I'm connected to the source that is providing the sum and the substance of my faith, providing the sum and the substance of my life. I am connected. I'm living in the land of the living. But, or you could be moving in a direction to say, okay. I'm connected to this tree, and I'm trying to figure it out, and, and I want to understand for myself, and I think I know better. What Jesus would tell us very clearly, clearly is if you, if you hold on to your life, you lose it, but if you let go, you gain. The two different trees is a simple tree of the tree of life. Jesus, modeling what Jesus did is we're laying down our lives. What is that? It's a selfless life. It's a life of selflessness. Laying it down, losing life in order to gain it. Elevating perspective to say, as I lose it, man, I get a greater perspective on how I'm gaining life. But the other is a selfish pursuit. You found yourself in that place. Come on, a selfish pursuit. What am I getting out of this? How, how, how is this company benefiting me? How, how is this person benefiting me? How's this situation benefiting me, right? A self, selfish perspective is constantly thinking about me, myself, and I. I'm hanging on to my life. Jesus, you hang on to it, you lose it. I'm hanging on to it. What is this substance doing for me? Selfish, self, addicted people are selfish people. I'm so absorbed in my world, my thing, I need to drink myself to the point of being incapacitated that I'm no good for anybody else. The Bible would tell us is I'm not gonna be drunk with wine, right? I'm gonna be drunk on the Holy Spirit, right? I'm not gonna be a person that's tied up in a substance. I'm gonna be tied up in, in God, right? The presence of God. That's who I wanna be. The selflessness, oh man, this is about other people. It's not about me. It's a greater perspective, raising above the big perspective. Now, you can find in the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey wrote this book. What is the very first thing that he says? The principle is this, paradigms and principles. 
The very first thing he starts off with inside of this book is paradigms and principles. The paradigm is how you see the world. And the way in which you see the world is how you are going to live inside of that world. It's a paradigm. The paradigm, the way you see, will, will bring understanding or at least a limited understanding to what you decide to do. You, you have principles based on perception. You have decisions made on perception. And today I'm just saying, hey, let's pull above the big, the, 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 the minute, the, the, the mess, the, the, the weeds in which we are caught up in and say, we're going to elevate our perspective today and say, we understand the paradigm that is at work here. It's a life of either living or it's a life of dead. It's either I'm moving in the direction of Jesus Christ or I'm moving in the direction of selfishness tied to sin. That's the two different ways in which there's no, I'm just down the middle. I'm just... I'm just good some days, right? Lukewarm is a good term for that. I got one foot in and one foot out. Right? I got Jesus on Sunday, party on Monday. Amen. Right? But we're, we're in and out. It, if, you, if, you, if you don't pull back and say, man, this is what it's all about, you won't have the paradigm shift inside of your life necessary to realize that there's something far bigger at play. It's not about us. It's, something, it's about something far bigger than us. We're a part to play in the big picture. God has a plan for us, a purpose for us, right? You think about Jesus when he showed up with, uh, when he showed up with Zacchaeus. It was a paradigm shift he was getting him to. Jesus, or Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to hang out with you. The paradigm shift that Zacchaeus had is I'm stealing from people because I'm greedy. After the encounter with Jesus, the paradigm shift is, man, I've been saved by grace. Man, this guy loves me. I'm called to a bigger purpose. Now I'm going to operate in generosity. He operated in selfishness, and then he went into selflessness. He gave double to other individuals. Think about Peter, the paradigm shift. He called Peter out of the boat. Peter stepped out of the boat and began to sing. What did he say? Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Well, why, why were you doubting? All you had to do is have some faith, and you could walk on water. The paradigm shift was, the paradigm shift was stop thinking about you and keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me, the paradigm shift. Get your eyes off yourself. Get your eyes on me. The paradigm shift puts you in a different perspective. Say, man, my, my God can do it. If he's calling me out of the boat, he, it may not look pretty. It may not always be perfect, but Jesus has gone before me, and I got my eyes on Jesus. I'm going to get out the boat. It's the paradigm shift. Jesus, Jesus is trying to bring some paradigm shifts. Think differently. Man, he showed up at the temple. What did he do? He threw over the tables. He said, man, you guys... You Jewish people that should know the truth, you're in here robbing people that have the best of intent to come and, and, and money change, ship their money into the right money that's operated through the temple, but you're taking a cut every transaction that's going on. You're robbing from people that have good intent. What are you doing? You've turned my house, this house, into a den of thieves, but the scriptures say this house should be a place of worship. What is it? Paradigm shift. This place is not for anyone's personal gain. The church is for the body of Christ to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what this, the paradigm shift Jesus is trying to do. Here's the paradigm shift. Think differently. See bigger. Look at the big picture. Give your life to something bigger. Paradigm shifts. Think about when he showed up with the woman at the well. She came looking for water, but what did Jesus say, man? If you knew, <laughs> right here, I got all you need. You'll never thirst again because you are really thirsty. Looking for a man, right? 
Everybody knows a thirsty man or a thirsty lady, right? They show up in church sometimes, be like, uh, no, Jesus' name. Right, you're in the wrong place. Brother, sister, you know, going down the road, okay? This ain't a place for that, right? But what is Jesus? The paradigm shift. You, you're coming and you're looking for satisfaction and contentment inside of life through relationship. But here's the deal. If you come to me, I got something for you. You'll never thirst again. It's a paradigm shift. But here's the deal. I could sit here today all day long and say, hey, everybody in the house, I'm just going to tell you, this is the land in which we're living in. You can have all that you need for life, living, contentment, happiness, you know, mental health. If you, all it's in Jesus. You're connected to Jesus. It's all there. He's got your sum, your substance. He's got it all right there. All you got to do is move in the direction of the one who has laid down his life for all of humanity. All you got to do is get in relationship with him. All you got to do is ask for forgiveness, allow him to come into your heart. All you got to do is live a righteous life on a daily basis. All you got to do is get into the word and be a man of prayer. Man, all you got to do is get connected to Jesus and everything changes. Your whole world changes. Opportunity changes in your future. The way you are thinking, the mental health you are operating in here today, the mental clarity in which you are operating in here, the contentment that's on the inside of your life here today, how you're perceived inside of the community, how you are adored by those that are around you, the friend that you are to others, all of that is wrapped up in your pursuit of living in the land of the living. I could sit here and tell you the, the, the beauty that exists inside of that land but because we got flesh sitting around our bones today. We will hear something to say, good idea. But we can live in a place to say, you know what? I'm just not ready to give it up yet. I still want to hang on to the hurt. I still want to hang on to the pain. I still want to hang on to the frustration. I still want to go at it my own way. I still think I got better ideas. Just let me get one more shot, and I think things will turn around for myself. And we start to say, We'll give excuses for how we hang on. I just want to hang on. I just want to hang on. I don't know. That, that just seems too, too ambiguous over there. I'm like, what, is he, what do you mean following Jesus? What do you mean laying it down? What do you mean living around? I don't, I, mean, I don't know about that. And we'll find ourselves where rather than saying, you know what? I'm going all in. We'll just drift. Thinking that we're just drifting aimlessly. Yet do we know. We're drifting right into the land of the dead. Anyone who is not connected to Jesus Christ is not bearing fruit. And the gardener severs those. There's a separation. The wages of sin is death. Definitely spiritual death for sure. And today, if you feel like, man, I'm just, I'm existing but not thriving, more than likely, you've allowed yourself to drift into the land of the dead. Oh, it's spiritual death, and what you're feeling is the, the, the wages of your decisions that have led you down a road where you haven't been pursuing, you haven't had that connection with, with, with the tree of life, the one that gave his life to bring life, the one that said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and life, and you're disconnected today. Let me just tell you, there's a heavenly father that loves you, and he's chasing you down. There's nothing in your past that defines you. Uh, or, will comp or will challenge your future. There's nothing in your past. God loves you so much. He loves me so much. The very thing that the, the enemy thinks that he can use to undermine the purposes of God inside of our lives are the very thing God uses to position us for his plan. 
There's story after story inside of the Bible of individuals that found themselves in a place where their, their, their background had disqualified them. But Jesus Christ stepped in to say, you know what, Let, that, that doesn't disqualify you. doesn't disqualify you. It just gives you, it just gives you some perspective. It, it gives you some experience. It gives you some understanding how, how good our God is, that he, yet while you were there, man, there's a God that really loved you beyond that chaos. And, and that, that's how loving our God is because he sees where we're going. He just doesn't look at where we're at. And sometimes we can find ourselves living in a place where like, man, we're disqualified based on what's happened. Here's the deal. Everybody in here has pain that's existed from, exists inside of your past. Every person inside of here. Now, here's what the enemy will do in order to get you drifting towards the land of the dead, towards the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The enemy will begin to tell you that based on what you have experienced or what has happened to you, you have no future. That's where the enemy likes to exist in. And so you find yourself in a place on like, I'm damaged goods, so what good is it anyways? And we find ourselves just drifting towards death. Responsibility is, man, the things that have happened to me, all good. I'm restored, I'm redeemed, I mean, I'm healed, right? It doesn't matter what somebody has done to me. It doesn't matter the, the pain in which I've walked in the past. It does not matter. What matters is I'm saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what matters. And when Jesus put his blood on me, when Jesus put his blood on me, it changed the entire trajectory of my life. We live in the victim mentality. This world we live in here today is victim mentality. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. Yes, you are a victim. You're a victim of sin. You're a victim of selfishness. You're a victim of a corrupt world that wants you to live according to the dictates of your flesh. But that's living in the land of the dead. It's not living in the land of life. Yes, we're a victim, but here's the deal with victimhood. When Jesus Christ has put his blood on you, you're no longer a victim. You are. The enemy will say you're disqualified. Let me just tell you, God says you're qualified. You're qualified. The very thing that you want to disqualify yourself with is the thing that God's like, no, 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 you got a, I got a plan for your life. I have a future for you, right? Let it be the very essence to say, you know what? Stop saying, I, I, man, you don't know what's happened to me. Here's a key statement we make inside of our lives as saved and redeemed individuals living in the land of, life, uh, of the living. We say, man, yeah, you don't know what's happened to me, but let me just tell you, the blood of Jesus Christ is, is on me. I'm saved and redeemed. You're about to see what God's about to do through me. Just wait till you see what God's about to do through me. That's potential. That's optimism. That's, that's not a victim mentality. That's a victor mentality. That's, I'm, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Man, the old is gone. I'm a new creation. Just because I've been abused, it doesn't mean that I'm going to live as a victim my whole life. If you're in here today, you're, the statistics are crazy on physical abuse, sexual, sexual abuse. It's unbelievable. Probably just sitting in this place here today, uh, the statistics are very high. More than likely, you have experienced that inside of your life. Some of you guys may have faced verbal. Some of you guys may have faced physical abuse. Cool. All good. But that was yesterday. There's a new day. You're living in the land of the living now. You're no longer a victim. You're a victor. God has an opportunity inside of your life. You live as a victim. You'll constantly make excuses for not taking responsibility for your tomorrow. God has called us to say, 
This is who we are. We're victors. We're called. We're, we got a future ahead of us, man. Man, he's got plans to prosper us. We got a better day coming in our future. We're not going to live in the past. We're going to live in the present. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to operate inside of our lives because God's got a plan for our lives. We're living in the land of the living. We are connected to Jesus Christ, and there is a future that he has for us. Amen? This is what God has us. Look at the story of David. Story of David. King David. You get Saul that was, you know, uh, anointed by man as a concession of the man's heart. God said, okay, you can have a king to rule over you like all the other nations. They picked this man Saul. He was tall. He was a stature, blah, blah, blah. But his heart became corrupt. So what does God do? God anoints the next king. You got to choose the first one. God chooses the next one. Who does he choose through Samuel? He chooses David. Where's David? He's in the backside of his daddy's farm. They line up all the other brothers inside of the house. Samuel's coming in. I'm coming to anoint the next king. Bring all your sons out, Jesse. He looks at all of them and says, none of these guys are going to do it. Do you have another son? The, uh, the other son is on the backside of his daddy's farm, David. Let me just tell you today, if anybody would be frustrated with their place inside of life, it would be David. Why? All the other brothers were inside of the house. All the other brothers had the first thought of their dad. All the other brothers. But David's out there working hard with some sheep, being diligent in what his dad asked him to do. And we can live in the victim mentality here today to say, you know, I'm the least in my family, blah, 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 and you don't know. Blah, blah, blah. We can live in that world, or we can say, God's got a plan. And he's destined me for greatness. He's anointed me. He's called me. He's equipped me. I don't care what's happening or who or whatever. I'm just going to keep on being diligent and faithful with what God has placed inside of my hand. I'm going to wait for the opportunities that God gives and places inside of my life. I'm not here to be jacked up inside of my heart and be like uh, frustrated about everybody else and got talked down on everybody else. Yeah, my older brother, I mean, he just messed up, jacked up, tore it from the floor. I mean, he, look at him. He's so cute and handsome and tall. Look at him. But he still got a jacked up. You, know, you, you don't get in this place where your heart is corrupt, where now you got to tear people down in order to feel elevated in the side of your life. You live from a place, oh man, God has called and equipped all people. Grace and mercy is found inside of my life. So I'm going to keep on moving forward with loving him, uh, honoring him, loving everybody around me. And David walked into that place and this man said, this is the man that's going to be anointed next king. David had to live in a world of frustration on being overlooked, feeling like he's less than. But he had to walk into a place with his heart in the right, say, I, okay, God's got a plan. I love this. I'm going to read a statement here, but this is going to give you a little bit of context on the story of David inside of here. David would say, it would say this, and David perceived uh, in the book, and David perceived he was king by Dale Mast. If you haven't read this book, I would tell you it's one of, it's probably one, one or two in my entire life. And David perceived he was king by Dale Mast. Dale, um, Dale L. Mast. I, I can't encourage you to read this book more. It's such an, a powerful book on perspective. But he would say this inside of his book. God took David from the fields where he had, followed the sheep to become the ruler of Israel. He took it from one place to the next. That was God's hand at work. He was overlooked by his father, yet chosen by God. He carried the dream to be king from the day Samuel anointed him. But he did not feel worthy to marry the king's daughter after defeating Goliath. His statement back, Saul said, you can marry my daughter if you kill this Goliath. He kills Goliath. And he's like, me? Marry your daughter? Who am I? He doesn't feel worthy. He's got an identity crisis. So David experienced many amazing moments in his life 
yet he also endured many traumas. He was the hero of Israel, and then he became hunted, the hunted villain. He went from leading the armies of Israel to being pursued by the same. When David was anointed king in Judah, civil war broke out. Each step that God was establishing David's identity, the enemy was trying to steal it. I'll put these statements up here. Each step that God was trying to establish David's identity, the enemy was trying to steal it. Defeating Goliath required faith, but taking the throne required identity. It takes a Goliath to reveal a David here. Your identity is in Christ now. You're in the land of the living. You're saved and redeemed. The blood of Jesus Christ is on your life. If you feel unworthy, you will not walk with the right perspective in order to live according to the, the plan that God has for you. We will become our own. We will sabotage ourselves before God even has an opportunity to use us for the work that he's laid out. Why? Because we will immediately disqualify ourselves. Hey, you're anointed to do this. I don't know about that. You don't know my past. No, I know your past. And your very past has equipped you for what you're about to do. Two-thirds of every CEO inside of our country today are dyslexic. Two-thirds, let me say it again. You can read this in the book, uh, David and Goliath by Malcolm Gladwell. The whole story, whole book that he's writing about is these, these nuances about individuals like the hardship and the pain that they walk through set them up for the very success that they're walking in here today. Two-thirds of every CEO that's existing in our country today has a learning disability. What's given them the ability? Who, guess who else has a learning disability? This guy right here. <laughs> At least they say I do. <laughs> Whatever. But here's the deal. Because of the learning disability, they said your reading is at this level. You're not able to, to like work the reading just right, and you don't understand all the concepts that it goes through, so what did I do? In order to get by, what I started doing is I take the big concept, and I may not remember all the details. Now, here's the beauty. When you know conceptually how something works, you understand the big picture. That's why they make really good CEOs. I can understand it now. Really good CEOs understand the big picture. They may not know the nuances, right? But they understand the big picture, how something works, why it should work, how things should come together. And here's the beauty. It's the same way I operate. I got, when I was reading this book, I'm like, it's telling you my whole life. Somebody gets me, Malcolm. But the whole point of the book is whatever you've come through, whatever hardship you've come through, is not something that should disqualify you. Don't allow it to become your identity. You're a new person in Christ Jesus that is set for an incredible purpose in your future. Trust God. Trust that he's got a plan for your life. You may be in this place today where you're caught in the weeds. You're myopic. Oh, this pain. Oh, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't understand. No, we don't. But we understand that the wages of sin is death. As you've lived selfishly, you found yourself in a place where you've become confused or frustrated or challenged or whatever it may be. Your actions today may be out of alignment with the intent of your heart. Cool. But step into the identity that comes with salvation through Christ Jesus. You're living in the land of the living. Right? You know, whenever you go to Las Vegas, that's why it's not good to go to Vegas. When you go to Vegas, what do they say? What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Hey. Why? Because Everybody's in the same mentality. Everybody in Las Vegas is, we wilding out. Woo, we ain't living righteous, we wilding out. 
and you find yourself in a place in the land of the dead, if you've been drifting there, all of a sudden you're surrounded by people that are not on the same trajectory as God has called you to be on. And what happens, you'll find yourself doing things that you don't want to do, doing things that you, you didn't set out to do, but things that now you have become a product of the environment you drifted into. I'm saying today, you may be there, but here's the deal. Christ has redeemed us. He's restored us. Man, he has a new plan, a new, new way, a new direction for us. This is the world we're living in. Have that, that, that like paradigm shift. This is something bigger. It's not just I'm existing. It's I'm going, I'm in one place or the other. I can't be one foot in and one foot out. It's I'm all in. You want clarity in your life today? Get out of the drift. Get out of the drift. Get into, man, I, I'm, I'm connected now. I, I got to get connected to Jesus Christ. I got to stop drifting. I got to get myself out of these environments that are causing bad behaviors, bad thinking. I love this whenever Jesus tells us, man, he chose us. John 15, verse 16, you didn't choose me, I chose you. What did he do? I pointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. You didn't choose me, I chose you, and man, I have great plans for you. Go out there and love each other. Go do great things. Paul would echo, 1 Corinthians 12. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we have all the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gifts of healing? Do we have uh, the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire more, the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. You should desire the most, the most beneficial gifts, but then let me show you the way of life, the best way of life of all. And then you flip over into 1 Corinthians 13 and you hear this story in every single wedding, right? Love is patient, love is kind. You can do all these amazing things, but if you do not have love, you are nothing. What is he saying? Here's the best way to live. The best way to live is love. That's the best way to live. What does that mean? In the land of living, the motive and the intention of our heart is love. Love. We love each other. We care for each other. We selflessly give to each other. This is the way to live. We love our enemies. We love our friends. We bear each other's burdens as a community. It's love. You wanna change, the paradigm shift is, I gotta just love somebody. Waking up tomorrow is, who am I gonna love today? How am I gonna love? If you wanna like contentment and joy inside of life, love. Faith, hope, and love on the end of 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Amen. It's love. You want to shift, you want to change. It's love. The paradigm shift, either you're shifting towards selfishness or you're shifting towards selflessness. The land of the living connected to Jesus Christ is I am giving up my life. I am losing life so that I can gain it. If you feel like you're crowded and you're confused and all, you're all, more than likely you've been drifting. And it's time to get back on, man. I see what this is all about. I got to get connected. <sighs> choose life, I say today. Choose life. I'm speaking to a few people today. Choose life. 
Choose it. You gotta, you gotta make the choice right now. I am choosing life. I'm no longer drifting. I'm no longer just saying, I'm just out here trying to figure it out. With diligence, you're saying, I am pursuing Jesus Christ. I'm living and dwelling in the land of the living. This is where I'm at. I'm connected to the tree of life. It brings all that I need for life and living. You've got to make the choice. Make the choice. What will you not do today based on the new, a new perspective? I will not go here. I will not say this. I will walk in healing. I, what will you do? The pain that has happened to me has now given me the grace to help those that are living in the pain today. Come on. How do you change it? How do you flip it? Okay, the, the, I've lived as an addict, but man, I'm saved and redeemed. I'm now gonna empower people and love on people that are walking in addiction. I've been in a place where I've been greedy and selfish, hoarding all my stuff, but man, I'm gonna start living a life where I'm generous. I'm gonna start giving, man. I'm gonna start loving people, just being generous with what God has blessed me with. Right? Watch out for what's about to happen through me. Oh, man, if you knew what happened to me, oh, you, you'd be like, what's up? But man, watch what God's about to do through me. Everything that's happened to me is set me up for where God is taking me and what he's calling me to do. Here's the deal. And I'll be sensitive with this. Cancer is the, one of the, the biggest disease that is operating in our world today. What do they call it? The silent killer. It's a silent killer. Just by saying this today, probably 100% of us have been affected by cancer in some way, shape, or form, somebody we know. But I'll, I'll say this today, and I'm being sensitive about this. Cancer is a physical thing we can see in our society today that is taking the lives of those we love. It's the physical thing we can see with our eyes. Flip it to the spiritual. Sin is doing that spiritually in our world today. It's the same thing. It's a silent killer. We feel like we're just drifting slowly but slowly. We're losing perspective. We're losing insight. We're losing contentment. We're losing love. We're losing joy. We're losing the peace. It's a silent killer. Little by little, the enemy would want to drive you into a place where the weeds have got you caught up. I just want to encourage us today. Let's see the big picture and let's make a diligent choice, a decisive choice that we're going to live in the land of the living. We're going to be connected to the tree of life, Jesus Christ. We're not going to live a life of drifting. We're not going to live a life of maybe we don't know we're going to live a life of decisiveness. This is what we are going to do. Maybe you're in here today and you said, Pastor, this is me. From the moment I started talking, the Holy Spirit was already getting at your heart. You're saying, man, ah. here's the beauty. I'm just a man submitted to the Lord to say, God, use me as you will. Let me speak what your heart wants to speak to our church community. And today, if you've heard or felt like, man, I've been speaking directly to you, the beauty is it's not me, it's God. It's just God just speaking directly to you to say you're on a journey and you are loved. You may have drifted, 
but I got a plan. And maybe today some of you guys are being called out of the backside of your daddy's farm. And you're getting called into the house so that God can anoint you for the work he set before you. That's what I believe today. No more drifting. No more woe is me, victim mentality. You're a victor in Christ Jesus. What has happened to you will not define your future. It's only set you up for success as you move forward into it. God has called us, amen? If you're here today, come on, let's stand up to our feet today. If you're here today, I want to stand up and I want to pray over this house today. Because I really feel like today, as we sang earlier, it's like, heaven could break out. Heaven breaks out where there's people that want heaven to break out. That's where heaven breaks out at. You get a whole bunch of religious people that just want to hear a good message, hair stand up on the back of their neck, walk out and do nothing with it. Heaven's not going to show up. Heaven shows up where people are desperate for a touch from God. People are desperate to have an encounter with their creator. Ah. The Bible would tell us, Jesus, Jesus would tell a story of one individual that was there, a righteous man. He's looking down at the, at the church service and he's looking like in, in criticism. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe those filthy people. But then you get a sinner over there that's just, oh man, I'm so messed up, God. Oh, forgive me. And Jesus has given us perspective in the story that our heart should be in a place like the sinner, not the religious righteous that's operating in judgment. We want heaven to break out. We want heaven to shift us. So if you're in here, man, and this message is speaking to you, make room as we sing. Make room for God to do what he wants to do. I'll tell you today, just opening your heart up, simply opening your heart up to God, he'll flood in. He'll flood into your heart, change your life through a commitment, a verbal commitment towards Jesus Christ. You can have your sins forgiven simply by allowing Jesus Christ's body, which was broken to pay for the debt, the weight of that sin, the price of that sin, but then also his life, his blood being shed and washing over us to give us new life. This new covenant we have on like, man, we are washed as white as snow because the perfect lamb's blood was shed for our sin. Amen. And now we get right standing with God. So today, wherever you're at, you're like, man, God, I just I want to make room for you. Maybe you're saved, you're redeemed, you've already said yes to Jesus, but you've been drifting. You're making room for Jesus here right now. I just want you to open up, just begin to allow God to move in your life. Say, God, I want you to move. I've been drifting. Allow him to reveal in you, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal in you where the drift is and why the drift is. Have the conviction, though, to say, I'm going to change now. Whatever's revealed, you have the conviction to say, okay, God, you've revealed it. It's my responsibility now to go live it. It's my responsibility to now live in the land of the living. Maybe you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, or maybe it's been a long time. And you've allowed your life to drift and you've been living in the land of the dead, disconnected from Jesus Christ. You feel the weight of your sin, the wages of the sin, the decisions you've made, disconnected from God has brought death to your life. You, see, you feel it, you see it, Maybe you're lucky you're still alive today. If that's you today, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, this is me. And maybe today you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You want to recommit your life maybe to, to Jesus Christ. It's simple. 
realizing that you've fallen, you've fallen short of God's expectation, but realizing that Jesus has paid his life, laid his life down for your sanctification, for your sin. So wherever you're at, I'm going to say this prayer. You can say it with me for those that want to recommit their lives to Christ or maybe give your lives to Christ. Make that decision towards the land of the living. If you're, other, if you're outside and you're just praying, man, God, for revitalization in your, your spiritual walk, whatever it may be, keep on praying your prayer. But just let's say this together. God, we thank you for your life that was laid down for us. The weight of our sin was a lot, but you still loved us. So Jesus, we ask you to forgive us of our sin. We believe you are the Son of God. You are the Savior of the world. And Lord, you are our leader. So we ask you to come into our heart right now. Clean it up. Give us a new heart. Give us a new life. That, Father, the old is gone, and our new life is here right now. We commit this new life to you. We're going to follow you, Jesus. As you say it, we're going to live it. And as, it is, uh, as it's been written in the Bible, it'll be lived upon our, in our lives. So we thank you, Jesus. Father, we just come to you today. You don't have to repeat this, but I'm just going to pray over us tonight, today. God, we just come to you, Lord. Father, as a people that live in a, in a broken world, God, we can get so caught up in the weeds of life and living and, and, and moving forward, God, that sometimes we lose sight of, of the direction. Father, maybe the wounds of our past can get us in a place where we're so wounded and hurt by people that we close ourselves off from. And Lord, the very thing that you called us to do to love is the last thing we want to do because we feel so unloved. God, I pray today throughout our church community that we are receiving your love today. We are receiving the, receiving the greatest love that humanity could ever receive. Love of a heavenly Father that sees us for who we are, that loves us for who we will be, that looks through the pain and looks through the sin and chooses us. The greatest love. And this love that we experience here today, God, is the motivation, God, can be the motivation of us in this house to move in a direction to love the world. It's the best way to live, as Paul said. It's what Jesus, you've called us to do, love the world. So God, I pray throughout our church community, God, the wounds of the past has positioned us for the tenacity, the decisiveness, God, to move forward for a future that you have for us. Father, the opportunities that stand ahead of us, God. Father, realizing that under pressure, beautiful things are created. In pain, beautiful things are created. That God, in pain, we have the ability to gracefully love people that are walking in it, God. Empower us as a church community, God. That, Father, we wouldn't just be mouths that talk, but we would be lives that are lived. Father, we're not just individuals that talk about what we're going to do, but we're individuals that live a life to show the world who we are. Empower us and strengthen us, God. May we walk in your truth. May we walk in your spirit, God. May we live according to your purposes. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen and amen inside of the house. Amen. <laughs>